Hi, I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in San Diego. Thank you so much for watching today. If you'd like to support the work that we do here, please consider making a contribution. Go to our website. It's easy to do. Thank you in advance for that contribution. There's so much of what I want to share with you this morning that really comes out of the way that I was brought up and then what was supported through my ministerial training and my ministerial career. And it is how to approach life, particularly how to approach problems. I grew up in a family in which mind games and problem solving and puzzles, not just like jigsaw puzzles, but mental puzzles, were very much a part of what we did. And I was reflecting on some of that because when we were doing my father's recent memorial service and then the reception afterwards, part of what was shared again and again and again in the reception were all the kinds of mental games and problems that my dad would give not just my brother and myself and my sister, but anyone with an earshot. And so we started talking about all of these different games and problems. Like, Wendy, do you remember when dad first gave us, name the 10 parts of the human body that have only three letters. All of them are nice words. Gut and fat are not in there. And so I'm going to toss that out for you. I'm not going to tell you the answer. But there are 10 parts of the human body that have only three letters. And we would sit and we would try to figure it out. And, you know, we get to seven or eight. And then what are those other two? I had to go back over it again this morning. And I actually finally got them all again. Got them all again. Or the time that my dad said, all right, here is a mental kind of tongue twister to help you be a stronger speaker. Now, this was before I ever thought that I would ever do anything in front of a room full of people and talk. And it was something that he heard on a show with Jerry Lewis and Johnny Carson. And there's a couple of versions of this. And some of the audio staff have heard me use this when we do a mic check. One chicken, two ducks, three corpulent porpoises, four limerick oysters, five brass monkeys from the ancient sacred crypts of Egypt, six pairs of Donald Versos tweezers, 7,000 Macedonian warriors in full battle dress array, eight apathetic, diabetic, sympathetic old men with a marked propensity toward procrastination and sloth. And I don't remember nine and 10. I have to go back and look for them. This is how I grew up. So you have to forgive me. Has anybody besides Janet and my staff, seen this puzzle. It's considered to be one of the hardest mechanical puzzles ever created. It's attributed to the Chinese several hundred years ago. Anybody ever seen this? Raise your hand, because if you have, you have, do you know how to do it? You're, okay, well, my dad was a puzzle freak too, and I will show you later on how this comes off. There's, huh? Only once, only once. It took me an entire summer to learn how to take this thing apart. I've shared it over the years with every math teacher I ever had. I always got an A in the class. <laughs> Actually, I earned the A. But I would give it to my math teachers. I would give it to my science teachers because it was such a source of pride to have finally figured some of these things out. And so I think about the role of 
the mindset and the heart set that we bring to the problematic issues in our lives individually, or the mindset and the heart set that we bring to the problems that we see in the world around us. I think there can be a healthy and creative and positive, fun way to approach problems. And I do believe that it is impossible to have a problem without having an answer to that problem. Now, I'm not suggesting that the person who has a problem always knows what the answer is. I'm not suggesting that. But I am saying that for any problem that exists, somewhere there is a solution to that problem. And when we know that to be true, we will continue to work toward finding it or finding the person who has the answer so that we can move through and beyond the problem. How many of you remember learning some of Aesop's fables growing up? Do you remember the fable of the thirsty crow? Anybody remember the fable of the thirsty crow? A crow was thirsty, found a pitcher of water, very tall pitcher of water, the fable goes, but the water level was rather low, and try as hard as a thirsty crow might to get the water, putting its beak into the jar, the water level was too low. And then the thirsty crow had an idea, and that was to start picking up pebbles, and one by one dropping the pebbles in that pitcher until doing so caused what? The water level to rise, and thus the crow was able to quench its thirst. Little things like that, keeping in our minds that there are creative ways to approach any problem that we have. I believe with all my heart and soul in the value of separating problem solving from decision making. Many of you have heard me say this over the years, that when we're faced with a problem personally or, in, or, or collectively, that it is so important that we be able to identify what the problem is, but then separate problem solving from decision making. We want to make the decisions based on God inspiration, based on what we believe is possible, what we dream of, what we long for. And yet, and yet, doing so, we must still acknowledge that yes, there are problems, but before I try to figure out the how, before I try to figure out how I'm gonna solve that problem, I'm gonna make the decision based on a God-inspired idea. And as soon as I do that, I begin to free up creativity and energy and oomph to go about solving the problem. Does that make sense? Very, very important and very practical and helpful thing. So here are six quick ideas for becoming a better problem solver. The first of this is this. Try looking at your problems differently. Try looking at your problems differently. Say that with me. Try looking at your problems differently. I believe we can either look at our problems in terms of what they are keeping us from, or we can look at our problems in terms of what they are leading us toward. Take that in for just a moment. If we are looking at our problems in terms of what they are keeping us from, we will probably feel a sense of lack, right? Or scarcity, or frustration, or challenge. But if we are looking at our problems not in terms of what they are keeping us from, but what they are leading us toward, what they could be pulling out of us, what they could be developing in us, would we not have a different mindset and heart set to the problem. What do you think? 
You're very quiet. Are you problem solving right now? <laughs> they really would. I mean, whatever problem you have right now in your life, whatever challenge, it may be a health challenge, it may be a career challenge. I know some of you have ended jobs and are trying to figure out what, what's your next step. I don't know what the problem is, but instead of thinking of it in terms of what it is keeping you from, start asking yourself, start journaling, start meditating on, what is this leading me toward? What is this leading me toward? I believe that life's problems are our invitation to grow, to become something more than what we are right now. Not that there's anything wrong with what we are right now, but we can be so much more than what we are right now. In the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath, David looked very differently at Goliath than any of the other Israelites. All the other Israelites looked at Goliath, the, Goliath, this Philistine. The Philistines were known to be really tall and big people and the Israelites not so much so. And here was this formidable foe. And the Israelites were afraid of Goliath. And yet David, very young, small in stature, decided to go up against Goliath. And we know what the story was with slingshot and five stones, and there's a wonderful metaphysical interpretation of all of that, but that's another lesson. But he went up against Goliath, and he won. And I've got to believe that there was something in his heart that said, everybody else thinks he's so big we can't get him. I think he's so big I can't possibly miss him. <laughs> he looked at it differently, didn't he? So big I can't possibly miss him. I don't know about you, but when I'm in front of a big challenge or a problem, I want to approach it more like that. I want to approach it more like that. The second idea is somewhat similar. So I said, try viewing your problems differently. Here's the second one. Try calling them by a different name. Try calling them by a different name. Say that with me. Try calling them by a different name. What if you called your problem and your challenge your new exciting project? Say that with me. My new exciting project. Doesn't that sound a little bit better than oh, my big problem? My new exciting project. Or my new puzzle. Or my new game. My new game. My husband John laughs at me because he'll find me out in the backyard every, every once in a while actually pretty often, with the net for our swimming pool. And I'll be sweeping up, you know, stroking nice and gently, picking up whatever leaves. We've got these ridiculously tall trees that are dumping all the leaves in the pool. We gotta get rid of the trees or shape them. But in the meantime, I'm doing this. And he said, you know, you don't have to do that. I said, well, it's like meditation for me. There's such a satisfaction. I'm sweeping it all away. Just like I wish I could sweep away more easily and consistently any of the ick in my life sometimes. But it's a symbol to me. I remember reading a great little book years ago. I've recommended it to you before. The book is called The Man Who Tapped the Secrets of the Universe. It's a very short but delightful and inspirational read. It's about a truly renaissance man. His name was Walter Russell. He was accomplished across so many very different fields and endeavors in life. Very, very accomplished man. He lived in a large home, an estate with lots of property around him. And he didn't like mowing his lawn. And for whatever reason, even though he probably could have hired someone to do it, he didn't, he didn't do that. 
he mowed, would have mowed his own lawn, acres and acres of it, on one of those mowers that you ride. And one day he came upon a different way to approach that problem, a more playful way. He started to cut geometric patterns in the lawn and create different designs and then go back and erase them until the whole lawn was clean. Now, if you gotta do a job, why not find a way to make it fun? Is that not in part what we're about metaphysically when we say thoughts held in mind produced in the outer after their kind, when we talk about bringing a certain consciousness or energy into the work that we do? To me, this is some of the nitty gritty of spiritual practice. It's how we choose to show up across all dimensions of our life, not just when we're sitting in prayer and meditation and doing the obviously spiritual things, but how we show up when we're doing the mundane stuff, which all of us have at least some of that. So try calling them by a different name. Third, sometimes our problems seem to come in waves. Have you noticed that? Has anybody else have, had that happen where your problems seem to come? Not that many of you? Wow, okay. Well, when they do come in waves, I have a very important bit of advice to say to you. Do not ask. Never, ever, 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 ever ask of an infinite universe, what else could go wrong? <laughs> you don't want the answer. I've done that before. Have you done that before? You know, so much stuff and you go, oh my God, what else could go wrong? And the universe says, here you go. <laughs> Don't ever, ever, ever ask that question. Keep working at the level of consciousness with it. Keep lifting your consciousness above the problem. Separate the problem, the decision-making from the problem. Lift your attention above what the problem is. Remember, Jesus said, don't judge according to appearances. Appearances are deceiving. You know, have a few, few affirmations or a few scriptures that you turn to that can help you when you feel like, whoa, there's a whole wave of stuff coming upon me. There's a scripture verse that, that I like very much. The spirit, of the, the spirit of the Lord goes before me to make straight, easy, and successful my way. The Lord metaphysically refers to law. It's the law of consciousness. My consciousness goes before me to either make straight, easy, and successful my way, or if I'm not paying attention and I'm not lifting my consciousness above the level of the problem, then I'm going to be stuck. It's all up to me, and it's all up to you. The fourth, try trusting yourself more. Try trusting yourself more. Say that with me. Try trusting yourself more. This is something that keeps coming up for me again and again in my life. I know that I've got work to do in this area. I know that too often I still go to self-doubt. Do any of you do that? And, and I'm trying to get better and better at deepening into my guidance and really asking and really being open to whatever my guidance is around a particular problem or challenge. And then standing clear and solidly in that, trusting in that, trusting in myself to discern and to hear that guidance, even if I can't always convince anybody else around me that this is right and true. <clears throat> what I know is I have never regretted when I have trusted myself, but I have regretted when I have not trusted myself. 
And I think that in part, trusting ourselves requires time with ourselves, really being honest with ourselves, really getting to know ourselves, and then having the courage to stand there. Having the courage to stand in or to speak from whatever we truly, truly believe to be true. If we find out that we are wrong, we ask for forgiveness. We deal with that. That must be really important. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. That's okay. If we find out that we are wrong, then we simply acknowledge that and we pick up and we take the next best step before us. But the only way that I know to get better at trusting ourselves is to do it step by step. And the more that we do it, the more confident we will become in it. So some of our, our scriptures in our, both our New and our Old Testament point us back again and again to the marvelousness with which we are made that we really don't get. We really don't get the potential and the capacity, the divine potential and capacity within each and every one of us. And if we would hold on to that a little bit more, we would feel so much more confident in the right kind of way. And it is that kind of confidence that helps us to deal with whatever life is presenting to us that we call either a problem or a challenge or my new game, my new project. Okay, fifth idea, refuse to stick your head in the sand. Mm, say that with me, refuse to stick your head in the sand. Sometimes we do that when we have a problem. And sometimes if we're not careful, as metaphysicians, we can dumb down our teaching or oversimplify our teaching or be incomplete with our teaching. To think that to name a problem what it is, to acknowledge what is not working in our lives, is to be negative. No, it's not. It's to be objective. It is healthy, it is necessary, it is important to see as clearly as we can what it is that's going on within us and around us. Whether we call it a problem or not, to be able to identify it as objectively as we possibly can. To call it what it is, to not deny it, but not to stay stuck in it. And so it is, it is more than okay as a metaphysician to acknowledge when something's not working in your life. How in the world can you get past it if you don't even acknowledge that it's not working to begin with? Right? There's another piece of it as well that I've noticed over the years in ministry. There's something funny that's, that we sometimes do in this teaching, and that is that if, if our life is feeling really difficult, and if it's feeling like something's falling apart, maybe our primary relationship or our family dynamics are falling apart, or maybe we're really dealing with a serious health challenge, or we're really dealing with a big financial challenge or a dark night of the soul, sometimes what we do is we say, I can't go to unity because they're too positive or they're too happy. Or everybody else looks like their life is working and mine's not. One of the things, that pains me so much as a minister, because I really believe in our teaching, and I believe in our community, and I believe in the strength of us being together authentically. And to me, what that means is sometimes some of us are going to be very up with everything working very well in our lives, and it's going to mean that sometimes some of us are going to be here and we're really hurting. 
and we're, we're angry or we feel alone or we feel ashamed or we feel afraid, if we really are a spiritual community, and we, and we are, then we are here for one another across the full spectrum of what it means to be a human being because we will all go through difficult times in our lives. And those are not the times to pull out of your spiritual community. If anything, those are the times to be more committed, to be more present, even if it's just to sit in this room and try vicariously to pull the peace in and the faith in by being here. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, you know, and maybe I have a, a request in there, and that is if you know someone in our community that has pulled back because they're afraid or ashamed to be here because all of us look like we have it together, tell them that's not true, first of all, and that we're here to be together authentically, that we're here to be together authentically. And the last, and the last is to believe, no matter what the problem is or the project or the game or the puzzle is, Believe there is a way. Believe there is a way over it, under it, around it, through it, beyond it, something. But believe that there is a way. I'm quite confident that nobody in this room, unless you are very, very close friends of mine, have any idea why I have a cookie sheet and a hair blower up here. But I'll tell you, I love a nickname of mine among family and friends is Lady MacGyver. I am, I don't know how I got there, probably because of my dad, a ridiculously resourceful person. I'm not necessarily the smartest person, but I am really resourceful and I'm very tenacious. If you like me, I'm tenacious. If you don't like me, I'm stubborn. <laughs> I think it's the same thing, right? <laughs> but I don't care anymore or at least most of the time I don't care anymore. So John and I, in our home, in our living room, there's um, a like 1980-style wet bar built in, and the wet bar counter is, I don't know, about yay high. And behind our wet bar, there was a very large plate mirror, 76 inches wide and about 60 inches high. The, it went from side to side, so it's recessed, much like the water feature is recessed in that wall. Our mirror went side to side, all the way to the bottom, and an arch on the top. We didn't like it. We wanted to remove it. We contacted companies, mirror companies, and because I believe in recycling, I said, maybe we can sell it. I went online to learn what a piece of mirror like that would be. It was bronze, it was custom made, and it was about $3,200 from Dulles Mirror Company in Washington, DC. I also discovered that when we called the mirror companies or mirror removal companies, that they were going to charge $400 to remove it. They couldn't guarantee it would come off in one piece. And I had this crazy Lady MacIver idea. I wonder if we can take that thing off and do it in one piece and do it safely because I was too cheap to pay $400 for the company to come and remove it. So John and I 
taped that entire mirror crisscrossed with the, that blue tape, protective tape, so that if it did come crashing down, we had a plan for that. Now, mind you, we're not in our 20s anymore. We've got a ladder up against this, and I am literally climbing on top of the wet bar counter. And we are taking little chisels, trying to ease that mirror, because we could only release it from the top, because it's completely side to side and bottom to bottom, so there's no place to get around it, right? Mind you, I also found out from Dulles Mirror Company, the weight, I, I do my research, the weight of this mirror, because we knew the depth, of, the width, the depth of it, we knew the size, it weighed over 200 pounds. So this was gonna be a big, anyway, to make a, a long story short, we're up there, and I get this scatterbrain idea, because John's approaching this with the wisdom of somebody who knows what he's doing. I'm not approaching it that way. I'm approaching it, there's a way to get this thing off, and it's a game, and we're gonna do it. I know we're gonna do it. So I'm up there, he's released it partially, and I said, I know, your, your little chisel things are too wide. I'm gonna go get a cookie sheet and I'm gonna get my hair blower. And we're gonna put the cookie sheet down and I'm gonna stand here with the hair blower because the heat's gonna melt the glue and I just know it's gonna release. It did. <laughs> we got the whole thing off in one piece and got $75 for it on Craigslist. <laughs> I share that in case you've ever had a certain kind of image of me. Now you have a different kind of image of me. I believe so wholeheartedly in the resourcefulness of all of us, but I also believe that some of us haven't given ourselves permission to go there in a very long time. And whatever it is that's up for you, whether it's a financial challenge or a relationship challenge or a health challenge, in no way do I mean to imply that those may not be really difficult things. There's a whole range of complexity of problems that we deal with, right? Some of them are on the, the, the end of inconvenience and annoying, and some of them are really big and serious and potentially scary problems. But what I do know is we have a much better chance of resolving them if we approach them with some of the mindset and some of the heart set that I've tried to share with you today. So I hope you walk away with at least an idea or two or an image that puts a smile on your face. Namaste. Mm -hmm.